0: God, we thank you for an opportunity today to be in your house, and we thank you for the music that's been uplifting and encouraging to our heart. You said for us to make melody in our hearts as unto the Lord, and I thank you for every effort of worship that has occurred thus far in this service. But now I present myself before you, O Lord, an unworthy vessel who is needy. I need your touch today, O God. For except you touch me, I cannot preach and these people cannot be blessed. But Lord, if you will touch me and if you will help me, then your word will go forth and it will accomplish the purpose whereinto it is sent. I ask you to move upon me today and help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And amen. You know, if we waited around till we felt like doing things, we wouldn't do much, very much. Amen. You know sometimes I, I when I feel that urgency, I told someone yesterday afternoon and they said, uh, "You look like you're off in another world somewhere. What's wrong with you?" And I said, "Well, about this time I start gearing towards Sunday morning, and i know I know that no one but a preacher would understand that, but you've got to get into that realm and get into that that notion of being used of God to speak for God that is an awesome responsibility and I want to tell you that God has said that if I misrepresent him or if I misstate his will or his purpose then blood would drip from my hands when Paul left the elders at Ephesus he said I am pure from the blood of all men and I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, the whole counsel of God. That's a responsibility that is greater than any human can bear without the Lord's help and the Lord's assistance. Amen. Sometimes I have to talk myself into it. You ever have to talk yourself into it? Well, I know it's prayer time, but I, I'd like to go on and get this done and do that and other, and you've got to say, no, 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 Jerry. Get in there, it's the time you do this, it's the time you uh, have allotted to the Lord, go in there and, and do what you're supposed, I have to talk to myself. Do you ever talk to yourself? Brother, uh, these conversations that Jerry has with himself, I'm glad you don't hear them. Uh, it's kind of like one Sunday I walked out the door there and I must have preached something that got real close to some guy, I said, well, how's it going? I said, Jock's like sermon today? He said, it was bloody. <laughs> I said, bloody? He said, bloody, Pastor Buddy, that was bloody. You know, sometimes you do, I don't even realize it. I Things that are a blessing to some are bloody to others, you know. And uh, I, I've actually had people to come around after preaching and say, why did you preach to me today? And I said, oh, I didn't know anything about you. What are you talking about? Oh, somebody had to tell you but uh, it's not that way, it's not that way. You just pray and seek the mind of God and try to follow the will and the heart and mind of God. Talking to ourselves is a trait that we need to develop. If you haven't developed that, uh, you need to develop that because there are some things you need to say to yourself that need to be said. There are some other things that you say to yourself that probably you could do without, amen. But when we speak to ourselves in a positive way, We reinforce what God wants to do in our lives. In Matthew 16, I believe it is, the Bible says that when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elias, and some Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it." Man, we've preached so many times, and how many of you heard Carmen's song, Storming the Gates of Hell? One, two, three. Boy, I am surprised. That was a big blockbuster song a few years ago about storming the gates of hell. It's almost as if hell has an army that, that but I want, I want to hasten to inform you that it's not a gate. The gate is not an offensive weapon. There's not an army of gates trying to run over us. Amen. I've heard preachers preach that we had to storm the gates of hell to get world missions done and turn it into a world mission service as if they were in a battle with a gate and we're, the, the prize is the souls of men and that if we can just prevail against the gate and win the battle against the gate then we'll get souls won into the kingdom of God. But it's really not like that at all. And I don't want, want to take one of your favorite verses and, and uh, kind of let the air out of it. But actually, that word, the gates of hell, is from two Hebrew words, a euphemism, as it were. It's hedu. And uh, from that, we get the word hades, from hadu. The gates of hell. It's a Jewish expression. Listen to what it means. It really means in Jewish vernacular, it means the realm of death is what it means. So then the gates of hell is actually that passageway that you follow after the soul of the spirit leaves this body. In other words, there is a place that is called Sheol, S-H-E-O-L. It's a Jewish term. It's actually an Old Testament term that talks about hell as being Sheol. It was at one time the holding place for all souls and spirits, righteous and wicked. In other words, when people died righteous and wicked, their soul and their spirit left And they went to this place called Sheol, S-H-E-O-L. Now all of our Wednesday night crowd can holler amen because they've heard this before. Sheol was a compartment that consisted of two entities. There was on one side a place called Abraham's bosom. And on the other side there was this place called Hades. It would be like this isle would be the great gulf that separates the two compartments. On this side, you'd have Abraham's bosom, which was righteous souls and spirits. And then on this side of the gulf, you would have the souls and spirits of the unrighteous dead. Steve said it's getting a little warm on this side of the building, Pastor. Sorry, I didn't mean to imply that any of you weren't righteous. But that great gulf that separated the two was uncrossable. You couldn't go from one to the other. And when the rich man, the Bible said, had a lifestyle that he was faring sumptuously. And the Bible said that he had so much of this world's goods that he cared not for anybody else. And there was a beggar that lay at his gate whose name was Lazarus. And Lazarus begged for the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And the Bible said he had a real bad health issue and that dogs literally were his uh, company. And the Bible said Lazarus died and that angels came and got his soul. Do you believe that? Angels came and got his soul and carried it to Abraham's bosom. That's exactly what it says. I'm sure these two ministers here have been around dying saints and have heard them make remarks like, Do you see them? They've, they've come to get me. Yeah. They, they make remarks like, Pastor Jerry, do you see those folks there? They've come for me. My brother, Donnie, when he passed a a while back, he was sitting at the bar in the kitchen and he got up and walked back through the bedroom and Diane said, where are you going? He said, I'm going back here, they've come for me. What? Come for me? I believe that angels come and get the souls and spirits of the righteous dead. I believe that they carry that soul and that spirit to the direct presence of Almighty God. I believe God's got a transport system, don't you? I believe that. What king was it that went over to Elisha? Jehoiakim? I believe it was that went over to Elisha's place and Elisha was sick with the sickness whereof he died. And the Bible said the king was about to fight a battle, Jay, and he wanted to know how to go about it. And he wanted to inquire of the prophet what his strategy should be concerning that battle. And when he got there, he looked out the window and he saw the chariot of the Lord. I said he saw the chariot of the Lord. And he knew why that chariot was there. You know why he knew? Because Elisha had seen that chariot before. He was with Elijah when he was caught up. He was with him when the mantle fell down upon him and the Bible said that that great prophet Elijah went to heaven in a chariot of fire, praise God. And he recognized that same chariot is parked outside and it's come to get me this time. Glory to God. Can you believe that? And that king said, don't you die on me. He said, don't you die on me. I I need some strategy. I need some advice. I need a word from the Lord. Amen. said, I'm in a battle. I'm in a fight for my life and I need to hear from the Lord. Don't you die on me. Glory to God, I believe God transports the soul and the spirit of the righteous dead to the direct presence of God. At that time, they went down to Sheol. Now in Luke 16, 21 through 26, you'll find this story that I'm talking to you about. And the Bible said, and Lazarus died, and the angels came and got his soul. But the next verse said, and the rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. I got a sermon that I used to preach, buried alive. You're kidding me, Pastor. Yeah, all in the world that we bury is just the house that you lived in. You may have been living in it 80 years, 70 years, 60 years, but when that house gets unfit any longer for that soul and spirit to live in, it's going to leave. I said, it's going to leave. The only part of any of us in this room that ever dies is our body that we live in, this house. And and Paul said, if the earthly tabernacle of this building be destroyed, I have another building in the heavens, eternal, made with the hands of God. God's prepared for me a body. In fact, in the Corinthian correspondence in 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible said, And the Lord giveth it a body as it hath pleased him. The Lord gives it a body, that soul and spirit, a body as it hath pleased him. Wow. So then when we talk about the gates of hell, we're talking about that, that passageway through death. And why will those gates not prevail against the church? Because the church does not have that fear of death because God has taken the sting of death away. The thing that takes the sting of death away is the fact that we know the resurrection and the life. And Jesus said, I am that resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. Praise God that rich man prayed a prayer but he didn't pray to Jesus and he didn't pray to God he prayed to Abraham and he said Father Abraham send Lazarus to dip his finger in water touch it to my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame so it follows that there's torment if you happen to be on that side of Sheol if you're not in Abraham's bosom and you're in Hades and the fact remains that to this day wicked souls and spirits still go down To that place. Zechariah said that Jesus would lead captivity captive. Zechariah said he would change paradise from down below to up above. But he also said whom Satan will not loose his prisoners out of their prison house. What does that mean? That means wicked souls and spirits are still retained in that place called Hades. But when a righteous person dies now since Glory to God. I'm Dr. Shah. Since Jesus changed paradise from down below to up above, and righteous souls and spirits don't go down anymore, they go to the direct presence of Almighty God. Where the Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Could you give God a hand clap of praise? So that. That euphemism about the gates of hell is real and it's real for every one of us. But fear hath no power over us. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So, Brother Jerry, you looking, at, looking to die? Well, I'm not scheduling it right away. but I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. So if that day is today, then praise God, that's good for me. Paul said for me to die is gain. He said if I, you know down here in the south we say some words that folks in the north laugh about. One of them is druther. Druther. If I could just have my druthers. Don't act like you've never said that. It sounds country as all get out. Never one of you said it at one time or another. If I could just have my druthers. Your druthers. (laughs) In other words, if I could just have my way about it. Paul said, I would much rather be willing to depart. Because for me to depart would be gain for myself. Wouldn't be good for you, but it'd be good for me because you need the instruction and the things I can preach to you. He said, but for me to live is Christ, but for me to die is gain. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying if you know the resurrection and the life who is the Lord Jesus, then the sting has been taken out of death. And you can say to death, "O death, where is your sting?" And O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Sometimes we just have to talk ourselves into keep on pursuing. Our destiny did you know that if you are a child of God today you have a destiny in Christ if you are a child of God today if you are called by God washed in his blood your names in the Lamb's Book of Life you've got a destiny and the gates of hell shall not prevail against your destiny in God did you know that if you have hope in Christ that you have an insurance policy that is is the Lord Jesus, that he's going to take care of everything that you need to get you to that place. He will not take his hand off of you until you realize your destiny. Your destiny is eternal life. Your destiny is that you've received forgiveness of sin and have accepted everlasting life, not to perish, but receive everlasting life. What a destiny that is. And I'm marching on toward my destiny, aren't you? I'm marching on toward the mark and the high calling in Christ Jesus. I'm step by step going about that business of realizing my destiny. And one day I will. I'll have my final destiny. But I am destined right now for eternal life with Jesus. I'm saved right now by the blood of Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven right now by the blood of Jesus. By the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am what I am and I have a destiny in Christ and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Have mercy, saints. Lord, we ought to be shouting all over this house to know that our destiny in God is complete. When God saw the people in bondage, they went down to Egypt as a family, and in 400 years, they became a nation. And now God's got a much bigger problem on his hands. He's got this great big church and they don't have a pastor. They don't know how to worship because they've never worshiped. They've got slave mentality. They've got bondage mentality. They've got cruel mentality. They've got all this ill treatment and this evil that has been done to them for 400 years. They've passed it down for 10 generations. 10 generations of slavery and bondage. They didn't know how to live free because no one had lived free in front of them to show them what freedom was like. The only mentality they had was exist in this bondage and fear of our oppressors. Are you getting this? But God, But God, on the backside of Midian, there was a baby floating in the Nile River in Egypt. A mother had been instructed by God to make an ark and to put him in that ark. Boy, there's a lot of preaching right there. To put him in that ark and set him afloat out there amidst the bulrushes and the reeds. God had his hand upon Moses' life. He had a destiny. God planned His and purposed his life and had a destiny for Moses. When the Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the Nile, she saw that little ark afloat and she realized that's one of those Israelite women's baby trying to spare that child's life. And she took that child as her own. And God is so merciful and loving. While Jochebed, didn't know her name, huh? Well, don't name one of your children Jacobed. Might not work too good with the teacher trying to pronounce Jochebed. And one day, while he was out amidst all the commerce and the building, he saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And the Bible said, and he rose up and he slew him. Jeff, that must have been an intense anger in him to take such desperate measures. Why didn't he just stop and just bind him and say, don't do that. By this time, he had a lot of power. Everybody knew he was the Pharaoh's daughter. But that great verse, Thad, that great verse over in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Moses chose not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but he chose to suffer the afflictions of God's people rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Boy, what a great verse that is. Realizing God's got a destiny for me. I I, I can't tolerate this. I, I can't, and the Bible said, and he ran. He ran, and for 40 years, he served on the backside of Midian tending sheep for Jethro, his father. Yes, there are people named Jethro. Beverly Hillbillies, did you ever watch Beverly Hillbillies? One day while tending his sheep, God spoke to him out of a burning bush. Now in the desert, it wasn't uncommon to see a bush burning lightning and all kind of things could cause that. So it wasn't, he wasn't so astonished that a bush was on fire. What astonished him was that it didn't burn up. It just kept on burning. And when he turned aside then to see this bush that doesn't burn up, the Bible said our God is a consuming fire. A lot of preaching to do there about that fire that fell on the the day of Pentecost, that fire that fell on Mount Carmel when Elijah put a lot of fire. God's all about fire. And he turned to see it, and a voice spoke to him and said, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. I want to talk to you about your destiny. I want to talk to you about my purpose for your life. I wanna talk to you about my plan for you. I wanna talk to you about how you have been singled out by God to do something special. And Moses was very reluctant. And he said, let me see how I can talk him out of this. Some of you are sitting right here today You're trying to talk God out of something that he wants to lead you into. Some of you are sitting right here halting between opinions. And you're saying, no God, no, no, no God, no. And he's trying to lead you into something that would be your destiny. But you, like Moses, are saying, No, I can't do that. I can't even talk. I'm slow of speech. I don't don't have a. I'm not an orator. I can't talk. God said, "I'll send Moses, uh, Aaron, with you." But, but Lord, you you know that I'm timid. I'm back, back. You know I don't have the quality to do this. Hey, here's something for you to write down: Whom the Lord calls, He qualifies. You got a good idea, Tonetta. Whom the Lord calls, He qualifies. Some of the greatest preachers that I ever heard preach were men that had to have their wives read their texts for them before they preached because they couldn't read. Some of the greatest men that I know began so humbly. Did you know that Charles Kahn wrote all of those books and wrote all of those axioms and a president of Lee College and never went to college a day in his life. One of the smartest men that ever lived and yet God gave him all of that. Well, pastor, do you believe God can do what colleges and universities can't do? Yes! If any man lacks wisdom... Let him ask of the Lord. Brother, if you want to be smart, ask God. If you want to be smart, go to his word and find out what his word says. If you want to be informed, then open up that blessed book that I preach out of and it'll give you information that you'll never get anywhere else. You actually, I think, need some neology instead of theology. Neology will carry you so much further than theology will carry you. Brother, when you've got neology, that means you've been in the presence of God. That means you've sought the face of God. That means you've felt his presence and experienced his unction in your life. And you can't get that out of a textbook. I'll choose neology any day. What do you want me to tell them, God? You tell them I am that I am sent you. And here's the message. Let my people go. Wow, you would all know that story. You've heard it since you were a kid in card class. All the plagues. And finally the angel came through and spared all the people that had the blood smeared upon their doorposts. A lot of preaching, a lot of preaching. And finally we get them out in the wilderness. Now we have the task. We've got them out of Egypt. Now we've got to get Egypt out of them. And you know what the greatest task for a pastor is? When we get a soul saved out of the world, sometimes the difficult task, Charles, is get the world out of that one that's been saved. To Realize that you've got a destiny in God, that God has called you, that God has given you that that special touch. Moses had such a great relationship with God. He loved his church, loved his pastor's heart, loved his mission to lead when God had given up on him. Pastor, I've heard you preach hundreds of times and I've never heard you say God gave up on somebody. When Moses came back and saw that calf and he saw that this people, instead of loving and worshiping God had built them a God and made their own God to worship, it angered him so that he threw the tablets down. What good is... Practical living if you don't know who God is. What good does it do to write down, don't steal, don't lie, don't defraud your neighbor, honor your father and your mother? Why write all that down if you don't even know who God is? Because if you don't know him, you're sure not gonna keep his statutes. And Moses just threw them on the ground And God said this, Moses, get out of my way. Move aside and let me destroy them. And the meekest man of the earth stood up before his congregation and said to God, You'll have to kill me first. Because the true shepherd will give his life for the sheep. And then he said, God, you can't do this. God, you can't do this. Why, Moses, you tell me why? I tell you what my plan is, Moses. My plan is to start all over with you. What? You mean I'm going to become the one that God starts all over with? And Moses said, That won't work either, God. He said, You cannot do this, God. Because of your righteous reputation. All the nations of the earth know that you're a loving God. All the nations of the earth know that you're a merciful God. All the kingdoms of this world recognize you as God. And you created the heavens and the earth. And you're a merciful and loving God. You can't do this. And the Bible said, and God repented. Boy, preacher, you're preaching strange things to us today. And God repented. Wow. Thank God for a Moses. You better thank God for a Moses or you wouldn't be sitting here today. What a man of destiny. What a man that God put his hand upon his life. And the Bible says, when they reached the land of promise... They're about to realize their destiny. They're about to really experience why God had done what he had done with them. And they're poised here, ready to go in to a promised land. And Moses sent out spies to go out and survey the land and see what it was like. Twelve of them, remember? Ten of the spies came back and said, we can't do this. We can never realize our destiny in God. We can never fulfill His purpose. We can never do His plan. We can never be what God wants us to be. They're giants in that land. Their cities are walled and well fortified and they're warlike people. They're experienced fighters. We've been in bondage for 400 years. We don't know how to fight. We would just be a greasy spot when they got through with us. How many folks sitting around churches you reckon have that mentality? Well, I know it works for Sister Susie, but it won't ever work for me. I love her testimony. I wish they'd get her back here to testify again and tell us what God did for her. You need to quit riding on somebody else's testimony. You need to quit depending upon what God did for somebody else. God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can think or ask. And if he can do it for one, he can do it for another. If he can do it for Natalie, he can do it for you. If he can do it for Jerry, he can do it for Charles. If he can do it for Charles, he can do it for Gary. He is no respecter of persons. God makes no differences among us. He will do for you what no other power can do. Stop riding someone else's coattails. (laughs) Touch his neighbor and say, God's got a miracle for me. Touch one on the other side of him and say, he has got a miracle for you too. God's got a miracle for every one of us. He wants you to be the person he intends you to be. Well, they'd all heard the bad news. Thank God that we're not all pessimist down in the mouth discouraged distracted dejected numbers chapter 14 verse 6 through 9 and joshua thank god for joshua joshua son of nun and caleb son of jephunah who were among those who explored the land rent their clothes In other words, they tore off their garments. And they said to the entire assembly, the land that we passed through was exceedingly good. I don't know what lens these ten were looking through. But the way we looked through the lens we were seeing through, it all looked good to me. Oh, I could preach a long time on it. It just depends on how you look at it. Amen. If some of you, if some people had your life, they'd think, oh, glory to God, hallelujah, ain't I got it good? While you're feeling like it's bad and miserable, I don't know why I have to go through this. If other folks had your life, they'd say, thank God for it. It all depends on the lens that you look through. I tell you all the time, your attitude, Don almost said it, your attitude determines your altitude. And it's hard to soar with eagles when you run around with turkeys. Just threw that in. It it wasn't in the notes. It just flopped out there. Joshua said it was a good land. Look at verse 8. If the Lord be pleased with us, that's why we need to please the Lord. If the Lord be pleased, He will lead us into that land a lamb that's flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. He will give it to us. Thank God your destiny can't be swapped off. It can't be traded away. Your destiny can't be bought out. Praise God, it's yours. That's why somebody else won't get excited about your destiny. You need to quit trying to make folks shout over what you think God wants you to be. Because that destiny is not theirs, it's yours. And praise God, if there's any shouting done, you ought to do it. Quit expecting everybody else to get excited about your destiny. Praise God, you ought to have enough celebration to go around. You ought to be bubbling over with joy and thanking God. Amen, because he's given you a destiny in Christ and you ought to rejoice about it. People ought to be asking you all the time, why in the world are you always so happy? People ought to be stopping you on the street and say, what's happened that's caused that big of a smile? Oh, I know Jesus. I've got a destiny in God. I'm on my way to heaven. Wouldn't it be great if we had that kind of witness in this town that they'd look at you and say, what are you so happy about? You say, oh, you don't know. I've got a destiny in Jesus. And I'm on my way to heaven. My sins are under the blood of Jesus. And I'm forgiven. And there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And I'm just living the life, buddy. Praise God. He's the Lord of my life. And the life I now live, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You ought to just be an overflowing bubble of joy. And I should be too. If the Lord be pleased with us, He will lead us into that land. Verse 9. Only don't rebel against the Lord. Don't forfeit your future. Wow. Don't trade away your destiny. Don't take lightly what God wants to do in your life. Don't fall by the wayside. Don't rebel against the Lord. And not only don't rebel, don't be rebellious, but do not be afraid of those people in that land. Brother, when you are living your life scared of people, it's a miserable existence. Brother, there is no way you can please everybody There's always going to be somebody that thinks you're not doing right. There's always going to be somebody that'll find fault with the way you do it. They'll find fault with your worship. They'll find fault with your walk. Ah, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Come on now. Is this the way it's going to be all the way to Christmas? (laughs) Glory to God, you better talk to me. You need to stop living your life to please people. You need to stop letting people that don't value you cause you to be miserable. If you've got someone in your life that is always putting you down, always talking down to you and condescending to you as if you're a nobody from nowhere and you're nothing, and they don't value you, let them go. And just in case you didn't hear me, let them go. It's time for you to stop being miserable by people that are terrorizing your life and making life miserable for you. You need to get your eye off of them. If you're a men pleaser, Galatians says, I cannot be the servant of Christ if I seek to please men. If I preach sermons to please you, then I cannot be the servant of Christ. If we tailor worship services just to suit you, then I cannot be the servant of Christ. If I seek to please men, I cannot realize my destiny in God. So I've got to be I get to the place where I'm not afraid of you? Come on somebody. He said don't be afraid of the people in that land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them for you to realize your destiny you don't have to put on that whole armor for you to realize your destiny you're going to have to get that shield up and quench those fiery darts for you to realize your destiny you're going to have to stand up with courage and with boldness and proclaim that i know the Lord. I know in whom I have believed. I've got confidence in Him and He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He will fight for me. Don't rebel. Don't be discouraged. Don't walk away from your destiny. Don't forfeit your future. Don't let fear and doubt keep you from your future blessing. Don't lose opportunity because of your fear of people or what they might think or say about you. God is with you. (laughs) Hallelujah. God is with you. Look at that person beside you and say, God is with you. God is with you. you. He's with you when you're right and he's with you when you're wrong. He's with you when you're weak and he's with you when you're strong. Wow, man, that's great stuff. He's with me when I'm unfaithful. He still is faithful. He loves me at all times. He's for me. He fights for me. He prays for me. He leads and He guides me through tough times. And if God be with me and God be for me and by His right hand upholds me, then who or what could be against me if God is with me and God is for me? It wasn't the first time Joshua had ever heard those words. Because Moses had been kind of mentoring him. Come on, Connor, and play for me. He'd been mentoring him. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says this. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Well, we know that great scripture that says, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. But here he's telling us that something else should be in our mouth. Now, at that time, the Bible was only five books. Brother Billy would tell you they're what theologians call the Pentateuch. They're the Pentateuchal materials. Those five books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, those are the books, the books of the Pentateuch. And he said, keep the word of God on your lips. Why did it get so quiet in here? Because the devil don't want me to tell you that. Keep the word of God on your lips. Keep the word of God on your lips. Boy, I could preach a long time, but I'm getting close to closing. I told you I would. Keep the word of God on your lips. Meditate on the word of God Day and night. In other words, Joshua is saying, Lord, I want my destiny. I'm going to embrace my destiny, but tell me how in the world can I realize my destiny? And he tells him, let the word of God be on your lips all the time. And not just on your lips, but let it be in your heart and mind. Meditate on it. When you're not speaking it, be thinking about it. You know what the Hebrew word for meditate is? It's haggah. You know what it means? It means to mutter. To mutter. The Lord is the glory of my life. I, 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 his, his life shall always be my in my path. The Lord has strength my life. He is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? What shall I be afraid? The Lord has strength of my life. What are you doing, Pastor? Muttering. Did you ever watch those... Uh, rabbis gone on the plane as we were going over and they had the phylactery on their head and it was time for the morning prayer and they always pray toward the sun and the plane would turn sometimes where the sun would move and they were always trying to turn around to face face the sun wherever that plane would make adjustments and boy praying toward the sun was a big problem and they'd have that that phylactery on their head and leather around their arm bound and they'd have the book of the law the Torah they'd have it open and you'd hear what were they doing? muttering when you meditate when you meditate sometimes you're you're saying it's not a real loud voice but you're reading what you're saying and you're quoting scriptures and you're you're making prayers meditate that's meditation meditating and in his law doth he meditate day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it and then somebody say then then when is then after you have kept the word of God on your lips, kept the word in your mind and heart, then you will be prosperous and successful. Buddy, if I was broke and busted and disgusted, I'd start doing that this week. I said if I was broke and busted, I'd start doing that right there this week. Because God said that. Jerry Irwin didn't say that. He said, if you'll meditate on my word and let my word be on your lips, he said, you'll be successful and you'll be prosperous. Wow. See, your life will follow the direction of your conversations, Not your conversation with somebody else, but your conversation you have with yourself. (laughs) One of the biggest ones is in Psalm 42 and 5. Listen to what David said to himself. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Put your trust in God for I will yet praise Him. Have you ever just had a conversation with yourself and said, Jerry Irwin, you're the most foolish thing. That's stupid to think like that. You need to get rid of that stinking thinking and you need to start thinking right things. You need to quit complaining about this and complaining about that. Finding fault with this and finding fault with that. What you need to do is just praise, praise, praise. Bishop Jakes calls it energy. You don't need to waste energy doing those crazy conversational things, you need to do those good conversational things. Soul, soul, soul. You're not thinking right. You're not acting right. Come on, soul. Put your trust in God. Listen to me, soul. I'm telling you something. Hope in God. For I will yet praise Him. Well, next time that you're tempted to be carnal, just say, soul, soul, soul. You're not going to think like that. I'm not going to let you think like that i tell you what let's do. Let's just get one of those praise and worship songs out. Let's start singing a little bit here. Because you, you're, you're thinking the wrong thing here. I will yet praise Him. His praise will continually be in my mouth. When Moses came to that place, when he was ready to pass over, you can stand. When he was ready to go through that gate, that path that leads from this life, To the next, Deuteronomy chapter 31. And Moses went and spake these words to everybody. He said to them, I'm 120 years old today. Today is my birthday, he said. And today I'm 120. I hope on June the 2nd, two thousand. And 68, I will stand on this stage and say today is my birthday. And you want to congratulate me and sing happy birthday to me. I'm 120 years old today. June 2, Jay, 2068. They say we're not going to be here then. We'll be on Mars or some other place because this one's getting too bad for us to live on. I hope I'm right here. And I hope I walk right here, Peanut, and say I'm 120 years old today. Listen to what he said. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord had said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God he will go over before thee and he will destroy these nations from before thee and thou shalt possess them and Joshua, he shall go over before thee as the Lord hath said and the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sihon and Og, the king of the Amorites and the land of them whom he destroyed and the Lord shall give them up before your face that you may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded. Be strong. Somebody say be strong. Be strong and of a good courage You mean a guy 120 years old on his birthday is telling everybody to be strong? Be strong and be of a good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee. Fear not and don't get discouraged. Brother Moses, we'd like to do an interview here for the Aniston Star. We understand you're 120 years old today, and we want to congratulate you on a great career. I understand that for many, many years you were the leader of that great four million member church. And we just want to congratulate you and 120 years today. Happy birthday, Moses. Could you give us in this audience here any advice from a 120 year old man that has done what you have done, what no other man has done? What would you say to us? Don't get discouraged. Be dismayed. Don't feel like quitting. Keep on going. Don't be afraid. Take courage. And don't be dismayed. You think you could tell that neighbor beside you that same thing? Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Don't be frightful. Oh, glory to God. God, I pray for everybody in this house today. I pray for everyone who has heard this preacher preach this gospel message one more time this side of eternity. We all, oh Lord, are people of destiny. Thank you that you've saved us. Thank you that you've delivered us from the power of darkness. Thank you that you've given us a purpose and a plan. And I thank you for a home in heaven that awaits us in your presence. And I ask you, O Lord, that every person in this house would leave here with that admonishment. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Lift up your spirit. Lift up your head and rejoice. God is for you and God is with you. Touch us, O Lord, as we dismiss from this place of worship in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Shake hands and be friendly. God bless you and God go with you is my prayer. Hope you have the greatest day ever. Amen.